You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Into our science and technology news for the week. We reported on a device developed by a company called Waverly Labs, and it was a bit like the Babelfish. It was a, a translating earpiece, and there is a podcast on our website, beyondinfinity.com.au, from May 2016. It's Waverly Labs' answer to the Babelfish. If you want to listen to that, you can do that at another time. But I just thought I'd mention today that Google has brought out what they're calling their Pixel Buds. Now, these are like your little in-ear headphones. Uh, People would be pretty familiar with them. But these ones are pretty cool because they connect wirelessly with Google's latest smartphones. But more importantly, they're able to access Google Assistant, which is Google's virtual personal concierge, a little bit like Siri if you're using an iPhone. That launched a year ago. Now, this software is claimed by Google to be able to translate 40 spoken languages nearly in real time, or certainly fast enough to hold a conversation. And they demoed this in an event that was held recently. They showed Swedish to English being translated. It seemed to work pretty well there. Obviously, it does rely on you having an internet connection, so some of this is being processed by Google servers. Some of it's going to use software in your smartphone as well. But what a great thing to be able to literally have a conversation with someone in a foreign language through wireless earbuds and have basically instant translation. Now, this is using AI, artificial intelligence, DeepMind, which is Alphabet, so Google's parent company is called Alphabet. They have a research lab called DeepMind. Apparently, this technology is being used to generate human-sounding voices, a system called WaveNet that's now incorporated into Google Assistant. Now, at the moment, it's unclear how much of this processing is done in the cloud, so at Google's big servers or on board the phone, which is connected to your new earbuds. Either way, they're going to cost $159, US provide about five hours of battery life, and can be recharged from a battery pack in their carrying case. So if you're interested, if you regularly come up against language barriers, you do a lot of travel with work or for pleasure or, or both, then uh, having the ability to be able to translate on the fly obviously provided you've got an internet connection, would be a really useful tool. Not the only thing doing this kind of stuff, as I mentioned, Waverly Labs have got a product we reported on early last year. That is on our website, a report on that product. Waverly Labs answer to the Babel fish. You can just do a search on beyondinfinity.com.au if you want to hear that. Now, moving on with the news, Google, again, they're a big company. They seem to have lots of little strings to their bow, and big strings, in fact. They have a project called Project Loon. It is a way of delivering Wi-Fi internet connection to remote places or places that have lost their cellular networks due to natural disasters. Now, Puerto Rico has apparently got 83% of its cellular sites out of service, along with 57% in the U.S. Virgin Islands and all of them on the island of St. John. So 
Google has actually recently got permission from the FCC and the Puerto Rican authorities so that they can actually launch these balloons, these Project Loon balloons, to overcome the connectivity problems that people have got and reconnect them to the internet. So a really great thing that they're doing there. They've received approval to do it, and uh, what a great way of providing internet connection to those places that have been absolutely ravaged by hurricanes in the last month or so. Good news there and a, a great service. It's also incidentally been used in Peru where they had extreme rains and flooding back in March this year. It had actually already been testing with uh, Telefonica, which is the, one of the big telecom companies in Peru, and that apparently sped up the process of them rolling that out to uh, help those flood-affected areas. Now, moving on, if you've got a cut, then you want to be able to close that up. Or if you've had some surgery done, then one of the most important things is to be able to close up the wound that's been made to get access to your innards. It sounds like a team of researchers at the University of Sydney have come up with a really great new product. It needs to be elastic, adhesive, non-toxic, and biocompatible. This product, dubbed METRO, M-E-capital-T-R-O, is biocompatible because it's created with proteins similar to those that make up elastin in humans. Changing the concentrations of those proteins in the sealant allowed the researchers at the University of Sydney to create metro hydrogels with a range of different elasticities. They've tested it in rats and it seems to have worked very well. They've also managed to successfully seal wounds in pig lungs, even during repeated inflations and deflations. They're saying that the potential applications are huge from treating serious internal wounds at emergency sites such as following car accidents and in war zones, as well as improving hospital surgeries. That's according to Anthony Weiss, a researcher at the University of Sydney and an author of this study. Just on with our science and technology news, you may not know, but every time you take your child's tooth, they lose them and then they put them in a little jar or they put them under their pillow and the tooth fairy comes and gives them 10 or 20 cents or whatever it is, you're actually giving away a pretty useful piece of genetic material because teeth contain a lot of stem cells. These stem cells, they're cells that are able to be specialized. They haven't actually just been locked into one particular use in the human body. Stem cells can actually be steered in different directions. So that makes them really useful. One of the issues is when you extract a tooth or when a tooth comes out, you can wind up damaging the stem cell inside. But a group of scientists have basically come up with a way of extracting a tooth in a way that doesn't damage the stem cells inside. This is called the Tooth Cracker 5000, and it has a clamp that holds a tooth in place while a blade carefully cracks it. And this method doesn't damage or contaminate the pulp and results in a perfectly halved tooth. The scientists who've been involved in this were able to harvest 80% of those sample pulps stem cells, which is four times more than what could typically be extracted from a pulp that was extracted by drilling or shattering teeth. I'm quoting from Dr. James Murray, team leader and director at UNLV's Advanced Education Program in Orthodontics. And he said, saying the test results were promising is a gross understatement. We realized we'd invented an extraction process that produced four times the recovery success rate for viable stem cells. The potential application is enormous. And as I said, stem cells can be used to produce uh, treatments for various diseases. They could turn into neurons, for example, and be used to treat people suffering from Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. 
Another thing that these researchers at UNLV have been looking at is ways of developing a cryogenic process to freeze stem cells harvested from teeth for future use when they're needed. Moving on with the news, the moon has been determined by scientists who've been looking at it at the Marshall Space Flight Center and the Lunar and Planetary Institute over in the US. They've been looking at rocks that were brought back from the Apollo 15 and 17 missions. Now, this is going back to the end of the, the late 1960s and early 1970s. These particular missions explored perimeter areas of the lava seas, so at the sort of edges of the flows. Using these samples and analysing them, they were able to establish the age of the eruptions and document evidence of the gases produced by these ancient lava flows. What they're saying is that these big lava flows, and we're talking three and three and a half billion years ago, so early days after the formation of the solar system and the moon and the earth, there was a lot of volcanic activity that resulted in an atmosphere on the moon that lasted for about 70 million years. Roiling lava would frequently burst through the lunar surface and bleed across the landscape for hundreds of kilometres. And these are what we see when we look at the, the seas, the mare, on the surface of our moon. Now, one of the interesting things is that the tubes that have been carved by some of these lava flows within on their way out to the surface, these are actually left very large caverns. Because the moon has no atmosphere, if you wanted to have a colony there, you'd need to protect it from radiation of outer space. There's a lot of radiation up there that can be very dangerous to human health. What they're actually proposing is to put some of these Earth habitats and colonies inside ancient lava tubes on the moon and actually the same thing's being proposed for Mars because Mars again doesn't have much of an atmosphere to protect it from radiation and you know things like solar eruptions that sort of stuff coronal mass ejections that sort of thing can really play havoc on the surface of Mars so if you can hide away inside one of these lava tubes below the surface that may protect you from some of the radiation they've also found that the water supply for future manned lunar bases is present that not all of it was lost during this period of volcanism between 3.8 and 3.5 billion years ago. So that, that's another thing that, that astronauts and colonists could take advantage of on the moon to provide them with drinking water and possibly even ingredients to make fuel. And just finally on the news front for the week, 3D Face ID, uh, it's actually called Face ID, is a, is a new way you're going to be able to get into your smartphone from Apple. So that the latest Apple iPhone X or the iPhone X, it's yet to be released. The iPhone 8 is out and we've reported on that. The new iPhone's not, not due for until about November this year, and there may be even delays. It may be that we don't get our hands on them until early next year. We'll have to see about that. It depends on the supply that's available. But the new technology that's rolling out with that is a way of analysing your face to determine uh, who you are and to confirm your identity. So instead of using your fingerprint, you're using your face. And apparently this is more, more accurate and, and less prone to, uh, to abuse. So 1 in 50,000 is the security offered by fingerprint ID, whereas face ID is 1 in a million chance of it being sort of abused or somehow someone without the correct face getting into your phone. But there is a company that is developing a face ID system that doesn't actually require quite the sophisticated cameras and stuff to analyze your face that's been built into the iPhone X or the iPhone X. They do it with software. They are offering this 
as a kind of a, a cheaper way. It doesn't have quite the security that the Apple system does, but it could find itself into a lot of smartphones in the future. This is from a small Las Vegas startup trying to bring a software-only take on 3D face recognition to all kinds of smartphones. The company's called Facetech. Their Zoom technology uses a different tactic to the one that Apple uses to determine if you are a human rather than, say, a photo or a video of one, and the phone's rightful owner. It pays attention to the distortion that occurs as you move your face closer to the phone's camera and analyzes how the distortion in images taken when you want to get into, say, a stock trading app, compare that to that in images already stored on the phone. It's a simpler way of achieving facial recognition than the Apple system. It is not as secure, and they kind of acknowledge that. There is the possibility that if someone made a 3D mask of your face, that it could trick this system from Fantech. It is a way of allowing facial recognition, and possibly in combination with fingerprint ID, could be an alternative to Apple's Face ID system that's coming with that uh, iPhone X. So there you go. You don't necessarily have to have an iPhone to be able to use facial recognition to open your device. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows.